Good morning. A warm welcome to you all as we gather together to praise and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please see your bulletin for all the announcements. I'll just highlight a few of them. This morning there will be refreshments right in the back in the foyer immediately following church today until 1120. This should ensure everyone has the time to get to their Sunday school class and everyone is welcome. Please join us for the fellowship. Thank you to those who participated and those who helped deliver the Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes on Tuesday night. We are delighted to report that we were able to donate 410 boxes this year. That's good. That's good, right? Okay. We will be having our Thanksgiving evening services Wednesday at 7 p.m. And following the service will be our annual pie fellowship. And today is the last day to sign up to bring a pie. The adult Christmas dinner will be held on December the 2nd in the fellowship hall at 5.30 p.m. And our meal will be catered by Mission Barbecue, and the cost is $20 per person. And Mission Barbecue will be bringing turkey, brisket, mac and cheese, green beans, coleslaw, cornbread, and rolls. And there will also be appetizers and cookies here. So all checks can be made to QBC, and all checks and money please give to Bruce Sherman. The uh, cookie bake-off is making a return, so plan now what kind of cookie you will make to wow the judges. And the last day to sign up is November the 26th. This announcement is for the pulpit committee formation at our previous special business meeting. It was agreed upon to form a pulpit committee to call a senior pastor. Therefore, there will be a special business meeting on Wednesday, the 30th of November, to address the following motion. A pulpit committee shall be formed consisting of the following members. Daddy Hefner, clerk. John Croce, representing the Sunday School. Jessica Vaughn, representing Missions. Eric Irizarry, representing Youth Ministries. Fred Peterson, trustee. Mike McGowan, deacon. Ron Guth, deacon. Tara Brandon, member at large, and Linda Seitz, member at large. Their job will be determine whether or not to be recommend Pastor Jay Heckley's to be the senior pastor of Quinton Baptist Church as per our Constitution and the position description for senior pastor. Thank you. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the awesome privilege it is to come together together today as a congregation to hear to worship you. We come, Lord, today willing and open, Lord, to hear your word, to have our lives changed, to become more like Christ. I just ask, Lord, that that would happen, that we would be encouragement to one another, we would be encouragement to our pastor, be encouragement to our congregation and those who are feeling down today. Just thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do through us today. We ask for this in all your in your precious name. Amen. The writer of the song that we're about to sing used men from the Old Testament to share their circumstances and encourage us to proclaim the word of the Lord and also 
Look with joy for his return. So let's stand and sing this song together, please.
seated. And Lord, as we come to you in prayer, we pray that we would walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, that we would put you first in our hearts, that we wouldn't be controlled by the things around us that we see, that distract us, that lure us away from you. But we would walk by faith in you, Lord, that that would be the fundamental part of our Christian walk, Lord, that we'd be focused and dedicated to you. And Lord, we praise you that we get to be here this morning, that we get to come before you with these requests, Lord. I do just pray for um, Rotha Plummer, Lord, Ed's mom, as she's just been uh, dealing with all the sickness that she's been dealing with and uh, just the the difficulty that she's been going through. We pray that you'd bless her, that you'd give her comfort, that you'd be with her body, that you would heal her, that you'd bring about healing for her. Lord, we pray for uh, Debbie Townsend, Lord, as she has also been dealing with a lot of different sicknesses, Lord. We do just pray that you would um, bring healing to her, Lord, that you would help the doctors as they take care of her to just uh, be able to uh, just heal her. And Lord, we do uh, pray for Dave Fedora, Lord. We praise you that he had a successful uh, procedure this past Thursday. We do just pray for him as he heals and recovers from that. Lord, we do pray for Josh Thomas, Lord, and uh, just the fact that they're trying new treatments, they're trying uh, just new procedures to help him, Lord, and we do just pray that that it would work, that there would be um, healing and even prolonging of his life, Lord, we pray that you would just um, bless him in the meantime, be a comfort to him, be a comfort to everyone in the family. Lord, we do pray for the D-Hearts today, Lord. We pray for Wade as he's just had a hard fall, Lord. We pray um, that he would just recover from that, that there would be no uh, serious uh, complications as he's been uh, uh, checked out for a few things, Lord. We do just pray that he would just have a a swift healing. We do pray for Debbie as she's been having uh, some pain in her knees. we just pray for healing for her. We pray that, uh, that the healing, that the knees locking up would just be able to go away. Lord, we do uh, praise you for our, the teens and the great night that they had at Reverb this past Friday, Lord, the all-nighter that they had. We praise you that things went well. Uh, we praise you that there was such a great reception to the gospel, Lord, as it was given on Friday night. We uh, praise you for the speaker and uh, that you empowered him to just uh, be able to impact uh, these teens' lives. Lord, we do continue to pray for our youth group. We pray that you would bless them. You'd bless them uh, as they meet tonight, as they continue uh, to meet during the Christmas season. Lord, we do just pray that uh, people, uh, people's hearts would come to you, Lord. We pray that our teens would be impacted for you. We do pray for this upcoming Thanksgiving Eve service and the Pie Fellowship afterwards. We pray that you would just bless that time. Uh, just make it uh, sweet for all of us as we remember all the great things that we have to thank you for. We do also want to pray for those who are uh, sick in our uh, church family and in our community, Lord. We know that sickness is going around. We just pray for swift healing. We pray that you would uh, be with uh, people who are sick, that you'd comfort them. We do also pray for caretakers this morning, Lord. I pray that you would just be with anyone who is a caretaker this morning. We pray that you'd bless them, that you would just help them. Lord, I know it can be difficult, but Lord, we pray that you would just bless them this morning. We do pray uh, for Israel and everything happening in the Middle East, Lord. We do just pray for for protection uh, for uh, Israelites and uh, and anyone who's innocent, Lord. We pray that you would protect the innocent. Uh, Lord, we pray that there would be a swift end to um, any violence, Lord, that there would be peace that could be established. And Lord, we do just pray that you'd be uh, the hand protecting Israel through all of this. 
Lord, we do pray for our missionaries of the month, uh, Jim, Jim and Roberta Hill. Lord, we do just pray that you'd bless them with Transworld Radio as they continue to reach out um, and re- just reach different people throughout the world um, just with your, with your message uh, that, that you give hope, that you give life. Lord, we pray again that you would just bless this morning, that you'd be with our service, Lord, that we would uh, just grow in focus uh, with you this morning, that our hearts would be, uh, become more like you this morning. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship in song, and children in first through third grade are dismissed for youth church. Please stand. I sing the
seated. Today's scripture reading is Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 11. That's in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 11, the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to thousands who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Lord, we praise you for this morning. We pray that as we approach your word right now, Lord, as we hear from you, I pray that you would impact lives, Lord, that you would just speak with your, with your word, people would hear. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. I wanted to start off by talking about a, a couple odd laws that we have here in America. For example, in Virginia... It's illegal to hunt or kill anything on a Sunday except for raccoons. Raccoons are fair game. <laughs> in Kentucky, you're not allowed to bring any reptiles into a religious service. So you can't bring your, your pet snake or your lizard into the church service. In Kansas, it's illegal to put a scoop of ice cream on top of cherry pie. You're not allowed to do that. In Vermont, Women must get written permission from their husbands if they want to get false teeth. In Arizona, it's illegal to keep donkeys in your bathtub. I really want to know where that came from. But <laughs> and here in New Jersey, it's illegal to commit a robbery while wearing a bulletproof vest. So... If you get caught committing a robbery in a bulletproof vest, you'll actually get tried twice. Once for the robbery, once for doing it in a bulletproof vest. So this morning, we're going to be talking about some other laws. 
we've been working on working our series through uh, going deeper with God, looking at Moses and Exodus and what we're seeing about God. And so far, God has led Israel out of Egypt. They've gone through the wilderness, and last week we talked about them coming to Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God forms a covenant with Israel. And last week we talked a little bit about what that covenant was. It was a relationship that God was establishing with Israel, that he was agreeing to them. He said, you will be to me a treasured possession, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, but you must obey my voice and keep the covenant. So there is this relationship that God is forming with Israel. And we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20 today because here is where God starts giving the stipulations around that covenant. Uh, through the rest of the, uh, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, through the rest of that, uh, the Lord gives 613 different commands and instructions to Israel. But it starts here in Exodus 20 with the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, the one, ones that are quite well known at this point in time. But we're going to be looking at them, and we're actually going to take two weeks to look at them. We're going to look, look at some this week and some next week. I wanted to kind of frame how we can view these Ten Commandments, and it actually comes from Jesus when we get to Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 37 through 40. When Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is, this is how he replies. It says, he, says, uh, he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this, On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So Jesus really defines all the commands into two things. He says, loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And that's what we see when we approach the Ten Commandments is that the Ten Commandments split out pretty, pretty evenly. The first four commandments are all about loving God and being devoted to Him. And the second, four, or the second six commandments are all about loving our neighbor as ourselves. So we're going to take this in two weeks. This week we're going to look at the first four commandments that are focused on our vertical relationship with God. And then next week we're going to look at the other six commandments and how we deal with each other. So before we get into the commandments, I want to start by just reading verses 1 and 2. This kind of sets the stage for the commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, it says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Two quick things to note about this. First of all, God is speaking these commands. If you go back to chapter 19, verse 9, God says that when I speak, Moses, all of Israel is going to hear it. So this is not some private conversation that God and Moses are having up on the mountain. As God's speaking these things, all of Israel is hearing the voice of God from the mountain. That's the first thing. The second thing is that God, again, we talked about this last week, but before he gives any instruction, any commands, he starts by describing what he has already done. God always acts first. He starts off this whole thing by saying, listen, I brought you out of the house of slavery, out of the house of Egypt. And now we're going to get into the commands. But God always acts first. So now we get to the, the first commandment. We're just going to look at the first four this morning. The first one is exclusive devotion to God. This is what he says in verse 3. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. Now that word before, as it's given there, is not like a, a term that we use for rankings. Like uh, you came before someone else. You, somebody came in second, but you came in first. So you were before them. That's not the type of term that's used here. 
The word before literally means in God's presence or before his face. Before God's face. He says, you shall have no other gods in front of me. And what he means by that is you shall have no other gods, period. It's not like there's some ranking of gods and God's like, I've got to come in first. But then you can have three, two, three, four, five gods. No, that's not what God's saying. He says, I am the only God. You shall have no one but me. God is calling for exclusive devotion. Exclusive means you push everything else out of the way. We see that play out in other uh, uh, relationships that we see today, specifically marriage. At some point in time during the marriage ceremony, you'll typically say, forsaking all others, I'm choosing to love you. And that is a statement of exclusivity, that when you're entering marriage, it's just you and your spouse. There's nobody else. And God's saying, listen, if you're going to have a relationship with me in this covenant, it's got to start with it just being you guys and me. There's no room for any other God here. This is the most fundamental command that God gives because on this is, depends all the rest of the commands. Because if you fail this, if God is not the only one there, then you're going to fail the others. But notice God starts this right after what he just said in verse 2, which is, I'm the one who rescued you from the land of Egypt. God, st- God says to I- Israel, listen, the other gods didn't rescue you. Ra didn't rescue you. Baal didn't rescue you. Ashtaroth didn't rescue you. Marduk didn't rescue you. None of the other gods the people around you are worshiping has rescued you from Egypt. I did that. And so you're not to worship anyone else. I get exclusive devotion from you. You're to have no other gods before me. Now, what about today? We're called to have the same devotion to God, having no other gods before him. God, re- God rescued Egypt or Israel from Egypt, but he rescued us from something far greater. He rescued us from our sin and the consequences of our sin, which is hell. And God says, listen, I rescued you from that. I'm forming this relationship with you. It's going to be exclusive. There's going to be no room for anyone else. It's going to be between you guys and me. But how often does our worship go into other areas? There are so many other things that pull us away from God, that distract us, that take away our devotion from God. Things like pleasure, things like possessions that we have, things like recognition from others or acceptance from others. Things like comfort, things like specific relationships that we say this thing is the most important thing in my life. And we treat it as our God. And we worship it and we focus on it instead of God. We go to it thinking that it's going to satisfy us, that it's going to fulfill us. But the truth of the matter is, it won't. Here's the irony of the first commandment. The first commandment is God saying, you shall have no other gods before me. The irony is there are no other gods besides him. Everything else that you make a god is a false god. It's something distracting you from the only true God. Nothing in life will satisfy us but the Lord. So we need to push aside everything else and be exclusively devoted to him. So that's good to say in theory, but how do we actually then start looking at ourselves and saying, how can we put this into practice in our lives? How do we find idols within our own heart? 
Philip Reichen, who wrote a book on the Ten Commandments, gives us two questions that we can ask ourselves that will help us identify some idols within our heart. The first one is, what do you love? What is it that you spend your time thinking about? What is it that you uh, give your devotion to? What is it that you th- are in love with? Is it God or is it something else? The second question that he asks is, what do you trust? When the chips are down, when you're backed in a corner, when you've had a bad day, when things aren't going your way, where do you turn? Do you turn to God or do you turn to something else? Where's your trust? Where's your hope? So those are the two questions that Philip Reichen gives, and I would actually add one myself. This is my own personal addition. What do you invest your time with? I think that one of the easiest ways to see idols within our own heart is to look at our own time. What do we spend our time doing? If somebody asked me to find the idols in somebody else's life, then all I would do is follow them around for a week and say, okay, what are they doing over the course of that week? Where's their time? Is time going to God? Or is time going to other things? Are we spending our time clinging to God or clinging to other things? Martin Luther says it like this. Martin Luther says, anything on which your heart relies and depends, that is really your God, your functional Savior. Anything that your heart's clinging to, anything that you cling to, that is your God. So where is our hearts? Are our hearts clinging to God and God alone? Are we exclusively devoted to God with no other gods in our lives? That's the first commandment. The second commandment is no images. Now this is hard for us because images are very important in our world today. We have uh, phones that take pictures and we save tons and tons of pictures. In fact, my phone this morning, I checked it, has 1,877 pictures on it. Some of you guys might have more. Some of you guys might have less. But we have lots of pictures. We like images. We like Uh, sharing those images online, on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram. We like pictures. We love images. But have you ever been in a place, maybe it was an event or something, and they specifically tell you no pictures are allowed at this event. You're not allowed to take any pictures. Well, that's what God's saying here. He says there's no images of anything else to worship. Period. Let's read what he says, starting in verse 4. You shall not make yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So God's saying, Make no images. Make no carved images. Anything that looks like anything in heaven above, on earth, bo- earth beneath, or the water under the earth. Back then, a lot of times when they made idols to their gods, they would take the shape of different animals, whether that's a bird, or whether that's a cow, or whether that's a fish, or different animals. They would make their idols in the shape of those animals. So he says, don't make any carved images. Don't bow down to anything. Don't worship anything else. But what's interesting is that that includes making a carved image of God. Because God knew that very quickly there was going to be a temptation 
to make a carved image of him, which there was very quickly if we keep reading through Exodus. There's the temptation to make an image of God, and God says, no, there's going to be no images that are made. Why would they not make any images of God? And the answer is because no image would do God justice. No image could do justice to his power, his holiness, his grace, his truth, his love, his purity, his beauty, his mercy, his grace, everything else that makes up God. There is no carved image that you could do that would do justice to that. There's nothing that you could do that would do justice to who God is. Everything else would fall short. Remember last week we talked about the fact that God was the one who shook the mountain, the one who said nobody's allowed on this mountain that I'm on. And we talked about the fact that they were used to holding idols in their hands. And God says, no, not only do you not hold me in your hand, nobody approaches my mountain. That's how powerful and great I am. Now God's saying, don't take that great power and try to put it in a box. Try to put it in a little image that you create. Don't make any carved images and don't bow down to them. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, God says it like this. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name, my glory. I will uh, not give to another nor my praise to carved idols. God's saying, listen, the praise is for me, not for some idol that you worship, not for some carved image, not for something you make. So then the question is, what do we do that with that today? Because we don't often have a lot of idols that we bow down to and worship today the way that they did back then. But we do have things that we turn to and images that we can look to. And there's even images here in the Christian world. There's things like stained glass windows and the cross. We here have, actually we have a cross right behind this screen. Over in the fellowship hall, we have a picture of Jesus being baptized. Are those things wrong? My answer to that is no. They're not wrong in and of themselves. However, they are wrong if we start to bow down to them, to worship them, to serve them, to turn to them, and to pray to them. If we start looking to these images when we think, when I want to pray, I must look at this image. When I want to bow down, I must do it to this image. When I want to worship God, I must do it to this. Then that's a problem. And I think we need to be very careful of that. Historically, there have been churches in the past that have just completely eliminated all images of anything in order to try to offset that. That that was their goal, is to eliminate all pictures so that there'd be no temptation. And I'm not for that, but I do think we need to have caution with what we look to. That we're not praying to some image, that we're not worshiping some image. They can be reminders of us, or reminders to us. They can be things that can direct their minds to God, but they can't be a God. They can't be something that we bow down to. God ends this by saying he's a jealous God. He wants his name to be recognized first and foremost and not some image. So let's turn to God. We sang a song earlier that says we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not about the images we see. It's about the faith in our Lord. That brings us to the third commandment, honoring God's name. Verse 7, it says, You will not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, names are very important 
in our world today. In fact, it's so important that as Dana and I await our, our next baby due in February, we've spent a lot of time talking about a name because we think that that name is going to be important because names are important. And even in the Bible times, they were even more so important than they are today because every name meant something. Every name that they had actually meant something and they were a stamp that you were putting on that person's identity with their name. And the Lord's name means something too. It's something that we're not supposed to take lightly. Something we need to respect and to honor. This is what the Bible says about the name of the Lord. Psalm chapter 8 verse 1, it says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Psalm 34 verse 3, O magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, as Jesus is giving the Lord's prayer, it starts with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 gets into Jesus' name. And it says, Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Those were just four verses I pulled out. There are tons of others that I could have pulled out that all talk about the name of God and how important that name is. So then God says, honor it. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. How do we take the name of the Lord in vain? I'll give you three quick examples. The first one is using the name of the Lord as a swear word. There's a fictitious story that I read this week that talks about this little girl named Mary. She was attending Sunday school for the first time during the Christmas season. She was hearing the nativity story for the first time, all about the angels and the shepherds and the manger and Mary and Joseph. And then the teacher said, and they shall call his name Jesus. And Mary leaned over to the kids sitting next to her and, they would, and she said, why would they name such a beautiful baby after a curse word? It's a joke, or a f- fictitious story. But it drives the point home that the name of God is used as a curse word today. It's used as a swear word, and it shouldn't be. But you know, it even goes further than that. God's name can also be taken in vain when it's used lightly. The word vain means futilely or uh, lightly or casually. And the name of the Lord isn't meant to be used like that. When we throw around God's name flippantly or too casually, we say things like, oh my God, or God help me, or I swear to God, or different statements like that, we can use God's name way too lightly. God's name should carry weight. And when we use it, we should carry weight with with the name. We shouldn't just use it casually or flippantly. We need to honor that name. But you know, there's a third way that we can honor God's name, and that's in how we live our lives. When people find out we are Christians, we literally bear Christ's name as our identity. We are Christians. We are children of God. And just like as a child would bear their parents' name, they take my last name, just like that, we need to bear God's name and live it well. When someone finds out that we're Christian, when they find out that we're children of God, are we representing God well? Or are we using that in vain and lightly? I don't know if you've ever been in a position when maybe you were a kid or something, and someone said, oh, you're so-and-so's boy, you're so-and-so's girl, and you immediately get identified with your parents. 
And you know that the way you then carry out the rest of your interactions with, the per- with that person, you're representing your parents to that person. It's the same with God. When people find out we're Christians, are we representing God's well? Are we honoring his name correctly? That brings us to the fourth commandment. The first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. The second one is no images. The third one is uh, to honor God's name. And the fourth one is to keep the Sabbath holy. Let's read starting in verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner that is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we're called to honor the Sabbath day. Now, that means two things. The way God talks about it here, it means two things. The first one is to take a day of rest. It means that as we go through life, God says six days you to work, seventh day is a day of rest. Now, what's amazing about that is our current scientific studies that we're doing have shown that people should not work every day a week. It's too much for people. We get overburdened. We get stressed. Anyone who was involved with the outage or any time we're at work, you have to work overtime and extra time. You know what that's like. You get burnt out. We're not designed to live our lives like that. And God knows that. So he establishes this time of rest. And what's interesting is that he grounds this idea of rest in creation itself. He says, When God created the universe, he did it in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Not that God needed rest, but God did it to establish the idea of rest. But then there's a second part of keeping the Sabbath holy, and that is having a time of spiritual rest, a time where we go to the Lord, a time where we spend time with God specifically. God knows that we're very quick to forget about him, and get caught up in the waves of life. So he says, I want you to take time out of your week and make time for me. To remember why you do what you do the rest of the week. Because what you do the rest of the week is supposed to be for me too. But take time out, take time one day a week and remember why you do everything else that you do. Who you're doing it for. That you're doing it for me. That's what it means to keep the Sabbath as holy and separated for the Lord. Now, one of the big questions that we have with this commandment is how is this carried out in the church today? Because we don't necessarily do what the Jewish people did, where on the seventh day of the week they would stop all work and not do anything. In fact, when we get to the New Testament, the, the period of time that people start getting together for the Lord seems to be not the Saturday, the Sabbath day, but the Sunday, the first day of the week. We see that established in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. This idea of the first day of the week. But in the world of the New Testament, in the Greek-dominated world, that was not a day where everyone stopped and rested the way that the Sabbath was done. In fact, it was a day of commerce, a day of business. But they still, the Christians still took time out that day for the Lord. So then how do we carry that into today. 
Well, the answer is we focus on the meaning behind the Sabbath, which is a, day, a time of rest, and it's time that we focus on God. And we figure out exactly how to put that into our world today with meeting on Sunday morning for church, with taking time to rest for the Lord. Now, what's interesting is that when Paul addresses this matter, he is actually very open with how this is carried out. In Romans chapter 14, verses 5 and 6, this is what he says. He says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all day, days alike. Each person should be fully convinced in his own mind. Let the, one who est- uh, let the one who observes the day observe it in honor to the Lord. So Paul is saying, listen, some people are going to hold one day as special. Some, days are gonna, some people are going to treat all days alike. Whatever you do, be fully convinced of it in your own mind. Figure out a plan that is with you and how you can honor God, then carry that out and do it in a way that honors God. And then when uh, Paul gets to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, he says this. He says, Let no one pass judgment on you in, question, in questions of food and drink or with regard to festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So Paul's saying, Let no one pass judgment on you in the way you observe a Sabbath. So then how do we put all of that together? And the answer is, we carry out the heart of the Sabbath, which is a time of rest and a time where we put the Lord first. And we become fully convinced on how we are going to do that. And then we do it to honor God. We do it to put the Lord first. It's not necessarily carried out the way that Israel carried it out. This commandment was specifically given to the nation of Israel as they entered a covenant with God. But the principles do carry into our relationship with God today. Do we take time for God? Do we take time for resting in Him? So those are the first four commandments. We'll get to the rest next week. But I really wanted to close with this idea of devotion. All of these commandments are all about us being devoted to God. It's supposed to be an exclusive devotion. There's not supposed to be room for anyone else We're supposed to be devoted to Him and what our eyes see and what we look to, the images that we see around us. We're supposed to be devoted to Him and how we use our words and how we speak about Him. And we're to be devoted to Him with our time and how we use that time and taking time out for Him. We started last week talking about the fact that The covenant is about a relationship, and we have this relationship with God, but we need to do our part in that relationship, which is to be devoted first and foremost only to Him. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we praise You for who You are, that You are a God who can't be contained with any image, that You are a God whose name is so magnified and lifted up and glorified that you are the only God, that there are no others besides you. And Lord, I pray that we would have a heart of devotion to you, that we would live first and foremost for you, that it would be exclusive, that it would be devoted only to you. That we would maintain our eyes and our mouth well as we honor you 
pray that we would be devoted to you in how we carry out our lives. And we pray that we'd be devoted to you with our time, that we would take time for you, that we would rest first and foremost with you. Lord, I pray that we would have that level of devotion towards you, that we would put you first in our hearts, in our minds, that we'd pushed everything else aside, that you would be honored and glorified by our individual lives. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. and sing a song about being devoted to God.
God is faithful. He is forming this fantastic relationship with each one of us. But we need to be devoted to Him. So where are you at this morning? We have people up here who would love to talk with you, to pray with you. If you feel like you're not as devoted to God as you want to be, you feel like you're not at a place where you want to be with God, we'd love to sit and talk with you this morning. We'd love to talk with you about your relationship with God and see how we can help. We want to be people who are devoted to God. And Lord, as we leave this morning, we pray that that's what we would be, that we would be people devoted to You. People who aren't swayed by the world, people who aren't looking around us, but people who are focused on You. Pray these things in Your name. Amen.
Really? Ooh, I think that's on. I think the phone might on.
you had to do is pick up one thing, huh? That's right. See you in Sunday school.